Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. And we're going to start reading in verse number 11. When you get there, you can say amen. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possession with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he said and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf. Hear and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. And he was lost, is found, and they begin to be married. Now his oldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, and he would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandments at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again, and he was lost, and now he's found. Pray with me. Father, what a wonderful depiction of your grace and your love. We're standing here today, God, as recipients of such grace. Everyone here, Lord, realizes and understands 
from whence we came. We know, God, we know deep down in the corridors of our soul that, God, you got us. You brought us home. And, God, we are so grateful. And, Father, as we study this morning, God, as we dig into your word together, God, will you please teach us something today? God, will you give us insight? Will you give us revelation, God? Take this vessel, which is broken, and use me, Father, for your own glory. Father God, I'm here to serve the meal that you've already cooked. And I pray, God, that it would resonate in the hearts of every person that hears. And God, and for it, will never be the same. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in our God's presence. A few weeks ago, we had begun a series entitled, When to Christ. At the beginning of this series, we preached about a Jesus being the importance of being a Jesus-centric people. In that particular message, we dealt with the purpose of why we evangelize. And our whole point of that message was to establish that Christ is to be the reason behind everything that we do, particularly as it relates to reaching out to the lost. Last week, we talked about the subject of on-the-go evangelism. And we focused last week on the how to invite. And so we took an in-depth look at the woman of the well and her encounter with Jesus and how that Jesus uh, ministered to her. And by the end of that conversation, not only did she give her life to Christ, but she became an evangelist and affected a whole city. And so we explored that last week. And today I want to focus on the atmosphere that one is to have, or our atmosphere as a people, that we're to have when people come into the kingdom of God. The title of my message today is Welcome Home. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, Welcome Home. Welcome Home has to do with the place that all of us long for. It's the place of rest. Home is a place of joy, should be a place of peace. It's a place that feels right. How many of you have ever been away from home for a while and when you get back, you've been on vacation, you come back and you like, ah, oh, it feels good to be home. How many know that the people in our society today, whether they realize it or not, they are looking for a home. They're looking for a home. Our society today is broken. Our government is broken. The institution of the family today is broken. Our ability as a society to discern right from wrong is broken. How we relate one to another is broken. In fact, I had this revelation the other day when I was, I was just kind of being observant and watching and listening to people. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. He just said, look around. He just said, look around. I just looked around. And, and, and all I could see around me, and, and, I'm, and I'm telling you, it was a profound moment, was brokenness. And for the whole day, 
the whole entire day, all I could see around me was people that are broken. People who are desperate. People who are hurting. People who are lost. And in some cases, they don't even realize that they're lost. But how many know that Jesus came to fix broken people? Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Jesus came to fix broken people. Now, I want that to settle in your heart for a moment because I want you to really think what broken looks like. Oftentimes, when something is broken, it sort of stands out. When something is broken, we tend not to really like it, or we tend to kind of want to shy away from it. But I want you to understand that God planted us, and he's appointed you to Stafford County, Virginia, September 28, 2014, to reach broken people. God loves broken people. Say that with me. God loves broken people. Let's say it real loud. God loves broken people. I want that to get into your heart because that's what we are all about. Jesus did not come to set up a, a, a social club. He did not come to set up something that you would just really be comfortable with or, or everything that is just like the way you want it, packaged the way you like it. He did not come to do that. Jesus came to set up a kingdom. And this kingdom of God is made up of broken people. The church is a place, and we like to say it's, a, it's really a hospital in many ways. And yet, and sometimes when we see broken people, we don't always know how to respond. People are looking today for a place that they can call home. They are hurting. They want out. They want something that is real, something that is better than what the government is offering them, something that is better than what the uh, uh, Wall Street is offering them. People want something better. They want better. And you have the goods to deliver. You have the goods to deliver. God, open our eyes that we might see the brokenness that is around us. People have wandered away from God. And, and, and how many know the further away from God, the, the, the worse it becomes? I know, as well as many of you know here today, that true and lasting fulfillment, true and lasting Fulfillment. I want to underscore true and lasting fulfillment will only come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't care if you can find something temporarily that will satisfy your urge. But how many of you have tried something that temporarily satisfied your urge?
But in the end, you realize it still did not satisfy. Jesus says, I will give you water and that you will never thirst again. We talked about that last week. Water, which means that he was really saying that, that if you really want to really be fulfilled, then, then come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, stay with me. I'm going someplace with this. So, so in all of this, understand that since society is so broken and that there's a feeling sometimes of hopelessness that surrounds us. And there are sometimes people can go to a certain place, they can go so far, and they can think to themselves that they can never be made right with God. Perhaps you are here and you're thinking that yourself. Perhaps you know somebody who sinned so badly they did so much hurt. They did so much wrong. They were so abusive. They were so ugly. They murdered. They killed. They stole. They hurt people. But the message of the gospel is this. Hear me. That no matter what you have done in life, it doesn't matter what sin you create. I, I know some of you, were, you want to try to tell me how bad it was. I don't need to know how bad it was. All I need to know is how good his grace is. You hearing me? There is no sin that you can do that God's grace cannot catch you. Do you hear me? Nothing. So it doesn't matter if you have drifted away from God and you feel wretched and you feel dirty and you feel like there is no hope. I got good news for you. You can come to Jesus and he'll always bring you right back in. People won't. But how many know, aren't you glad that people ain't your savior? Aren't you glad that Pastor Bailey ain't your savior? Jesus is your Savior. And so when we communicate this message, that it doesn't matter what you've done, brother. Mind-boggling to some people because some folk think, well, wait, 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 wait a minute, Pastor, you know, I really crossed the line here. Haven't we all crossed the line? Who's sitting here today haven't crossed the line? Everybody's crossed the line. I'm standing here today not because I'm a great man, because I got some kind of special favor better than you. I'm a recipient of the grace of God. I am, and I don't mind saying so. I know from whence I come. Jesus attracted sinners, amen? Jesus, think about it. You think, if you study the Gospels, you see over and over and over and over and over again, sinners, do y'all need me to define what a sinner is? That's a whole nother message. <laughs> but it's something about that. Every time Jesus came around, it was the people who was broken, the people that was hurting, the people who was lost, the people that were aching on the inside. It was these people that oftentimes, they received Jesus. They came running to him. But the people that acted like they had it all together. Y'all know any of those people? You know what I'm talking about. 
They used to tell me all the time when I was growing up and I left the country, they said, boy, don't ever forget where you came from. That boy done forgot where he came from. How many know y'all not ever to forget? Because we understand that no matter where we find ourselves today, no matter, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, at the end of the day, Jesus is all in all. And if people don't hear that from you, if you don't demonstrate that to people, then we leave them in a place where they're destitute, where they're lost. I wonder when people see you, who are people who are sinners, do they want to stay away from you or are they somewhat attracted to you? I just want to give you some food for thought. Jesus attracted sinners. Oh, you'd be amazed how self-righteousness can sneak up on you. You'd be amazed what a little bit of knowledge and information would do to your psyche. You'd be amazed how once God cleans you up and washes you just a little bit that you tend to look down on other folks. You'd be amazed. Pastor, never, 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 not me. Jesus attracted sinners, but the sinners stayed away from the Pharisees. You know what the Pharisees was. I knew they were the folk that sharp, had it together. They knew all, they knew the scriptures. They knew theology. They can articulate the word of God. They knew it from cover to cover. Every jot, every tittle, they had it together. You can't tell the Pharisee nothing. Who do you think you're? I'm a Pharisee. And to the person who's broken and hurting, they look at that and they, they feel like they can't even come nowhere near that. And Jesus came and he says, you're making people twofold the child of hell than yourselves. Because not only do you are not going to get in, but you keep others from coming in too. Now, that don't make sense to you now, but stay with me. Are you still with me? Say amen. So this brings me to Luke chapter number 15. We want to jump into this this morning. The setting in Luke chapter 15, the Pharisees, <laughs> this whole Luke chapter 15, the whole chapter uh, deals with the importance of one person, a sinner. The whole chapter deals with and portrays God's deep love and God's deep passion for uh, the lost. Now, I want you to hear, because that can go right over your head, because it didn't sound like it was a deep revelation. But I want you to think about it. God has deep love for the lost. And so, so watch this. In Luke chapter 15, here's the setting. The Pharisees are hanging around. And here Jesus, he's sitting. And Jesus is conversating or associating and or eating with sinners. How many of you eat with sinners every now and then? Mm -hmm. You ain't get company. Jesus did the same thing, by the way. 
But the Pharisee, you remember who I told you the Pharisee was, right? You remember, you, remember, you know, them, them, them bad boys, them boys that dressed up real good. Sharp guys, patted together. They walk up and they see Jesus sitting there eating with the Pharisees, with the, with the sinners. And the Pharisee said, um, uh, I thought you were a man of God. I thought you, uh, I thought you represented something that was holy and good. I mean, Jesus, how, how, how is it if you're really righteous, how is it that you will sit here and talk to the likes of them? Don't you know that you're above that? Well, boy, did that spun off a conversation. Jesus, in rapid succession, Jesus begins to fire off three parables. How many know when Jesus gives like three parables before he even take a breath, he's really trying to drive home a point. So Jesus, he, he gives three parables. Now, now hear this. The parables was to explain the importance and the love that God had for sinners. That was it. That was it. So the first one Jesus talked about, we'll have time to read it because we're going to focus in on the parable of the prodigal son. But the first parable was of the lost sheep. In this picture, Jesus gives a picture of a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and he lost one. And how the shepherd, having lost one sheep, left 99, left the 99, went back and hunted down and got that one sheep. And when he found the one sheep, he put the sheep on his back, he came back, and he told everybody else, y'all need to celebrate with me. Why? Because I found my sheep. Sheep. How many know we are like sheep? We are like sheep. All of us are. Then Jesus gives a picture of the woman who had lost, had 10 coins, and she lost a coin. This is in verses 8 and 10 of that same chapter, Luke 15. The parable of the lost shepherd, which is in Luke chapter 15, verses 4 and 7, just so you all can read it in your own time. And the parable of the lost coin, here's a woman who has 10 coins, and she loses one coin. In fact, it reminds me last week, my wife had, had lost an earring. And she lost an earring, and everybody had left, and y'all had cleared out the sanctuary. And my wife was walking around diligently, diligently. I mean, looking, have you seen my earring? Have you seen my earring? And she would not stop until she found her earring. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it was black dark in here. She said, bing, there it is, right there on the floor. She found it. I said, that's a woman for you. They'll find their jury. <laughs> But she was determined, just like this woman. And, and you know, and, and, and Jesus was, was showing that, that this woman, she swept corners. She went, everywhere, she, went in the dark, she went in the dark places, corners. She went everywhere she could so that she could find her going. She went everywhere. And you know what? She didn't stop until she got it. How I many know that we need to go in every corner, every slither, we need to look up under some trees. And yes, sometimes you got to knock some things down in order to find that which was lost. 
Now, it brings us to the parable of the prodigal son. Y'all still with me? Say amen. amen. The prodigal son. This parable is familiar and beloved probably of all Christ's parables. It is the most amazing and beautiful story of redemption and God's love that hunts every one of us down. It is one of the longest and most detailed of all of the parables. Unlike most parables, this one has many lessons, many lessons. This parable, just like the other two we just cited, reveals the heart of God. I want you to understand something this morning. Everything that we do as Christians, hear me, we want to try to understand the heart of God. You know that if we can, if we can get in sync and see things from God's perspective, do you not know that we can really make major difference in the earth today? See, the more I see things the way God sees it and the more I flow into that, hear me, the more difference you and me make. So I need to understand, what is God's heart about my sinful neighbor? What is God's heart about a son? Now, this, these parables apply to the unbeliever that's lost his way. And they also play, apply to, obviously, the non-believer who is still lost and need to find his or her way. So in this story, the son... You look there in verse number two, and verse number 12 in chapter 15 of Luke's gospel. The younger son of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall me. <laughs> so he divided to them his livelihood. But you got to understand that this was kind of a shocking statement because this was tantamount to him saying, Father, I wish you were dead because you're not supposed to get the inheritance until the father dies. But he said, I want it now. Parents, you ever, you ever had your kids say that to you? <laughs> and the father, guess what the father does? Now hear this. Remember, this whole parable is to explain the heart of God. Do you get it? So I want you to see this in the eyes of who God is. So you can understand how our God thinks. And so the father, the father, we see nothing here where the father is trying to shake him to his senses and his father is just, you know, just, just going off on him. What we see is this father goes ahead and grants him his request. How many know, folks, that sometimes we got to love people enough to let them what? Boy, that's hard, though, isn't it? Mm. See, when somebody, here's what I learned as a pastor, even more so, that when people get it in their mind, when they fix and they want to do something, how many know even if God can't control you, I certainly can. <laughs> Give me my inheritance. I want it now. Son, I don't really think this is a wise thing. But if, if this is what you really, yes, daddy, that's what I want. Give it to me now. <laughs> All right. The father goes ahead. Father gives it to him. And then 
Guess what the son does when he gets all of his stuff? The Bible says, look, look at that, in verse number 13. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted. Everybody say wasted. His possessions with prodigal living. That word prodigal means wild, reckless, out of control, debauched kind of living. Uh, you know, one of the things I've come to realize is that sometimes when you're praying for a son or you're praying for a daughter or a loved one, can I give you some advice that I think is somewhat biblical? I believe sometimes we have a tendency to get in the way of what God is trying to work in some people's lives. Sometimes, you know, sin got to run its course. You, you know, I believe this father was, how many know this father had to have known, son, this is not a wise thing for you to do. Son, don't go out here, boy, this is not good. But that father said, you know what, if this is what you want to do. See, how many, know, how many know God is a gentle spirit? God is never, by the way, the Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit. It commands you to be filled with the Holy Spirit because God ain't going to just fill you with the Holy Spirit. You got to walk in the Spirit. You got to want this. You hear me? See, God is never going to force you to follow him. He's never going to force. He, he wants you to love the Lord the God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. He wants you to do it from the heart. And so this father, I'm sure he was thinking, son, this is not wise, but you know what? I'm just going to pray for you. And go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And how many know he had to have known in his heart that that boy is in for some trouble? Some of you right now, you know some folk that is in some trouble. And some of us, you've gotten up in the way. You try to, oh, I got I to gotta stop this. And if you're a parent, how many know if you're a parent, it's really hard? Some of y'all who got really small kids, y'all ain't got it. Y'all just keep on. Y'all don't know nothing yet. They keep. They 10, 11, 12, they keep, they keep, they keep, I leave it at that. Okay. So, so as they get, as, as they get older, <laughs> or as people that you know, they, they, they wandered off and they think to themselves, I got this. And, and, and here's what happened. And a lot of times what we want to do is we want to try to, try to uh, 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 take some of the pressure off or try to stop the accident because I don't want the accident to happen. You, you know what I'm talking about. I, I got to intervene because I don't want to see my son, uh, my son, I don't want to see my daughter destroyed and you've been driving yourself crazy because you just keep intervening and what you have discovered is you haven't helped the problem, you've made it worse. Oh. And here's the problem. Some folk will only get right with God when they crash. Sometimes I believe God is, how many know God is sovereign? How many of you came to God and you was at the bottom? I mean, I was a wreck. I'm telling you. And sometimes, listen to me, I'm not, listen, you got to be discerning, but I'm just telling you that there's a point in time where you got to learn how to trust God with those that you love and those that you're sharing with. And you got to believe God. And you got to say, God, I'm going to trust you that you are going to bring this thing around. And if people are determined to do it their way, let them do it. Here's what I learned anyway. You're going to stop them. You're not going to stop. Only, listen, God, but God is bigger than you. Amen. God is stronger than you. And God knows better than you. Can you say amen to that? Yes, he does. He knows better. 
So we got to trust them. So watch this. So then the Bible, look at verse number 17. Look at verse number 17 through 18. But when he came to, no, 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 let me, let me go back up to verse 15. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he went into the fields to feed swine. And let me tell you, watch this. I want you to stay with me. Y'all stay with me. Say amen. Please stay with me. And he would gladly, listen to this. Listen to this verse. How many know you can get so deep into darkness? Have you ever seen somebody in a real bad place, and you look at it, and you say, boy, why, why, do you know how you're living? They don't see what you see. How many know until people can see their condition, they really can't get right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes people have to see their condition. You're upset at them, but the problem is they don't see like you see. And so they look in the mirror, they think they're all right. And you look at them like, whoo, boy, girl, what's wrong with you? But look what it said in verse 16. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods and the swine, what swine ate. This brother got so much in a dark place so far, he's like, I eat with the swine, I'm good. I know you can muddle around with sin so much that it can dull you. And you do stuff you never thought you'd do. You can be down deep in the thick of it. Oh, but verse number 17 says this. But he came to himself. How many of you have ever had a came to himself kind of moment? He came to himself he realized the whole, wait a minute. And see, I don't believe that was just an accident. It wasn't an accident that all of a sudden he just come to himself. How many know that father was believing God that at some point he going to come to himself? Oh, some of you came, you know what I'm talking about, you came to yourself. For me, I was in a nightclub and the music was loud. You know, you ever been in a club when they play the music? It's loud, ain't it? Don't y'all try to act like you're sanctified, holy, don't know what I'm talking about. I, you know, I talked to God about you. You tell me what you did in your no, But well, you know, in the club, I mean, I was in the middle of the club dancing, partying, and the music was loud, the kind of music that your eardrums start moving around. And God spoke to me. It was at that moment. I know you Pastor. How did God, I don't know. I don't know. But that still small voice, God got a hold of me right then and right there. I had, and I came to myself. Some of you were in a bad relationship and you came to yourself. Some of you were hooked on drugs and you came to yourself. Some of you were battling depression and you came to yourself. Some of you were just walking about and doing your thing, your shopping, whatever, and all of a sudden, bam, you came to yourself. You realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How many know that that was the grace of God chasing you down? How many know that we need, listen to me, we need to have, we need to pray. Instead of being upset at your folks that you know they ain't right with God, because everybody got them, why don't you just pray to God, let them, God, help them to come to themselves, let them see. God, will you please open their eyes that they'll see their condition and that they'll change? How many know that's the best thing we can offer people? Are you hearing me? Come, they need to come to themselves. And boy, when he came to himself, what did this guy do? He Drop everything. He said, whoa, wait a minute. It's like all of a sudden, the lights came on. Whoa, wait a minute. You ever had one of those moments? What, 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 what was I doing? What was I? I couldn't believe. Yeah, you did that, brother. You did it. <laughs> but there's grace. 
He came to himself. And his father had compassion on him. Look at verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father. When he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Sadly, for some of us, we'd have been like, um, first, can you like tell me where you've been? How you can come walking, running back over here? Father, didn't, did you notice in this verse that the father didn't even want to know the scope of his sin? You know, beware of people. Hear me. Y'all say, listen, say amen. This is, I'm going to give you this for free. I'm going to drop this in. This is free. I've learned this. Trust me. Beware of people who always want to know all the details of your sin. Because usually when people want to know the details of their sin, they want to feel better about themselves. See, now, if the details is relevant to it getting fixed, that's one thing. But if you just want to give me all, I don't need, listen, if you commit adultery, you commit adultery. That's all I need to know. I don't need to know how you did it. Hopefully you're not doing it, obviously. You follow what I'm saying? The father, what does he do? He sees his son. What's the first thing he does? He has compassion. You don't see the father over there saying, wait a minute. Here, look at this. He's he coming back over here. Look at him. Look terrible. Is that the reaction of the father? Uh-uh. What was the action of the father? Remember, we're still talking about the heart of God. What was the reaction of the father? Oh, the father said, look at, look at, he said, he said to his son, he, he said, but the father said in verse 22, but the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe, honor, and put it on him, and put a ring, authority, on his hand, and sandals on his feet, and bring this fatted calf here, and kill it, and let's be merry. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't you want to know? No, I don't want to know. All I know is my boy was dead, but he's back home. How many of you know that, listen, the fact that he's coming back home ought to say that God is at work in him. Well, here we go. Now, if, if we could easily, you know, we can do that sometimes. Well, you know, people come up and give a life to Christ and, okay, well, okay, yeah, they just got saved. But let's just see. Let's wait and see if they show back up. Let's wait and see if it was really real. Hmm, I'm going to look at you. I don't know. Let me, let me, let me make sure. I got, I got to see something. I got to see. You know, how many know that that ain't really ever helped nobody? Let me tell you something. God is at work, and God is greater than all of us. And our attitude must always be, listen, I, I, it's not my job to judge hearts. not your job. You ain't the Holy Spirit. Stop trying to be the Holy Spirit. That's God's business. Your job is, listen, when they come home, he coming. He might come broke. He might come teary-eyed. He may come with some spirits on him or her. You know how we like to do, we got to watch out for them spirits, they got an agenda. But when, is, when does anybody not have an agenda? Everybody got some agenda. Oh, now I got to watch them. They want to know, well, why don't you want to stay, man? Why do you want, why do you feel like stay home? Because I feel like I'm being watched. I mean, there's something about an atmosphere that says, hey, I'm glad you're home. I'm glad. The father didn't, listen, never, never. You don't see any of the father don't even want to sit down and talk to him. He just said, we're going to party. Come on, let's go party. And I'm sure that boy was like, hold up, dad, hold up. 
hold up, hold up. I, I, I need to tell you. I need to, first let me apologize. Let me repent. And the father, yeah, I got it, I got it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But we're going to celebrate, boy. We'll deal with all the other stuff later. We'll worry about fixing you up. But you're home now. You're home now. That's all that matters. You came through the doors. You walked down the street. You're back in the family of God. That's all I care about. You're here. You're home. Ah, you're home. But there was a problem. Father was celebrating. You know that word compassion? He had compassion means a deep awareness and sympathy for another one's suffering. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God is merciful? Aren't you glad that he don't reward you according to what you really deserve? Does anybody here really believe that you deserve more than what you got? Come on, church. If Jesus never did another thing for me, he did more than enough. I'm telling you. I'm telling you because I, I got eternity. I am good. I am so good. My wife's always said, how can you be so content? I'm fine. I just don't care. I, I got everything. If everything else around me falls, if everything else around me crumbles, as long as I got him, I'm good. So the father celebrated. Now watch this. But here's what the father didn't do. The father didn't wait until his son performed. Why is he putting the, the best robe on him, putting a ring on his hand? First, uh, don't you need to kind of, uh, uh, don't you need to kind of uh, approve that you got to earn your way here, boy? And you know, some Christians are going to be like that. Well, pastor, come, can I be real? Can I kind of talk? Well, pastor, I've been serving this church for 10 years. I, I've been doing all this work, Pastor, and I've been doing, and you ain't never killed the fatty calf for me. And that's why you never got the fatty calf. <laughs> hear me. Hear me. Are you, are you still listening to me? Say amen. amen. The boy, his, the, the father's heart is, hey, the boy is home. He didn't have to go and try to perform. How many know that when people come into the family of God, they should have to feel like they got to perform? I got to work hard. I got to do everything. Where did that come from? Where, where do we get out telling people, you got to perform? This ain't the voice. This ain't America's got talent. This is the kingdom. God fixed broken people, not you. They ain't yours. If God brought him here, I ain't stupid. I, I like, Lord, I ain't even trying to figure. I'm just going to bless you. I'm going to be good to you because God brought you. If you came here, I'm assuming God brought you here, so I'm going to bless you. I don't want to get in the way. So, so watch this. So, so the son now, look at verse number uh, 25. We're almost done. We're, we're coming out. We're, we're landing the plane right now. Verse number 25, here's the oldest son. Now, his oldest son was in the field, and he came and he drew near to the house. Watch this, watch this. He heard the music and dancing. Y'all think he was in a dancing mood? Uh, 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 uh. Now, wait a minute. I want you to remember now. Now, now, now watch it. This was his, his blood brother. This was his brother. All right, brother. Watch it. So he, he called one of the servants and said, hey, what, what, what's, all, what's this? What's this? Why are you playing that song? Why are you playing a happy song? <laughs> Some of y'all got that. And he said to him, 
Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. You think your brother would be rejoicing, right? No. The Bible says he was angry. Verse 29. So he answered and said to his father, look at everything I've done. You ain't do this for me. Can I, can I say something to you? And, and I want to be, be as uh, transparent as I possibly can so you can understand my heart. I am, um, you know, anytime any, anybody come into our assembly, our family of God, you see that oftentimes that I will spend a lot of time with them. Why? Because if they know the Lord and they join our church, they found a home. I want them to feel really, really at home. And if they are lost and they come to Christ, whether they join the church or not, they found home. So you know what? I'm going to spend some time with them. Why? Because they found something. They got saved. They got delivered. They got, they're coming home. Instead of, listen, you can stand back and be like, like, the, like, like the oldest son. You can sit in that chair and you can look and say, well, nobody paying attention to me. But here's, why, here's how you deal with that spirit, because it jumps on everybody. You hear what I'm saying? Here's how you deal with that spirit. You just get up and you go participate in the party. Go join the conversation. Don't let the enemy keep you isolated and whisper lies to you about nobody loves you, nobody care about you. Listen to me. You know what the father said to this son? He's a son. The father said to the older son who was upset, he's a son, everything I got is yours. You're already with me. You're supposed to be one with me. We're together in this. What I got is yours. How many know we're all together in this thing? We're all together in it. Listen, listen, listen. All I know is my brother was lost, my sister lost, but boy, they found a home. Hallelujah. They got home. And one of the things I love about our church is, and you heard some of the testimonies of the people that's been infected in our, life, in our church, and, and they talked about how that when they come into the church, they feel the love, and they feel at home, and they love the fellowship. That's the spirit of our church. It's the spirit of who we are as Christians, that people feel that love. They don't feel a judgmental attitude. They don't feel you counting up all of their sins. They don't feel you trying to go back and dial back what happened in your past. I don't need to know what happened in your past. Not necessarily. I'm not digging in your past. I'm more concerned about your future. I'm more concerned about where you're going and what you can be in Jesus. So the older brother was jealous. He was selfish. I mean, one of the best things we can do for ourselves. Whenever you feel yourself getting jealous about another brother or sister, and, you know, nobody would say it, but I've been saved long enough to know better. It happens to everybody. Um, it happened to me. I had a dear brother who I loved deeply, and, and I was a little bit jealous that he was just taking off, getting things that I thought I ought to have, and I was wrestling with that. But you know what I did with him? I just spent time with him, and I just loved him, and we, grew, we came close, and I killed that spirit. I killed it Amen. because we can't have that in the body because we're in this thing together. We're family. We are family. Everybody is important in here. In case you never heard me, if I never tell you personally, I'm telling you now, everyone in here is important in the family of God. You matter. Not just to me, but more importantly to him. 
In conclusion, what I like about this parable is it draws a deep distinction between Christianity and every other religion. You know what every other religion says you got to do? You got to work hard. You got to ride your bicycle down the road 30 times. You got to go here. You got to knock on doors. You got to do all these things. But you know that in this parable, what did this young boy do to deserve what he got? Think about it. What did he do when he came back? All he did was walk back home. And they treated that boy like he was royalty. I mean, though, everybody who come here ought to feel like royalty. You hear me? They ought to feel that way. And, and, and so in Christianity, our faith, here's, here's what it's all about. It's about God's love. How many know you can't earn it? God freely gives it to you. He gives it to you. And for some people who are who I call grace killers, they can't stand that. Because for them, they work for theirs, and so you got to work for yours. Because in my man's mindset, I'm right with God because I chose to be right with you. You don't get it yet. You're right with God because God made you righteous. And not because you can perform, because you ain't that good. Get off of yourself a little bit. It's a, our faith is a faith of love and mercy and, and, and grace. And so when people come into our family, people come into our church, they need to be like this father. You saw the father's heart, love, mercy, not judging, just blessing, grace compassion. Nothing about the Spirit of God that's controlling. Amen? Everything about God is love. And God loves you deeply. And you are sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, man, Pastor, I, I, you know, I got some things. I got, I got some people I'm, I'm believing God for. And I, or I got maybe, maybe you got a, 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 a loved one. There's somebody who's just uh, and in many ways you've repelled them because of your attitude toward their sin because you've been so harsh on them that you've given them no avenue to get out of that shell because all you do is remind them how terrible they are. Can you do me a favor? If you're going to remind them how terrible they are, can you at least remind them how good God's grace can be above that? Can you, at least, can you at least equalize it so that people feel like they have a way out? It's a terrible thing when you feel like you're trapped and you can't get out. It's a terrible thing. If you're going to do that, preach grace, preach love, preach mercy. Go back and get them. Bring them back. Welcome them back. Home is what everybody longs for. And it's who we are. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.